Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. First Kings chapter uh, 18, verse 39 to 42 says this. Verse 39 says, uh, and then the people saw it. When the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they cried out, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. Then Elijah commanded, seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them all and Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and he killed them there. So Elijah's like, let's put a, a stake in this. Let's determine this victory for the Lord. Let's make sure this is all done. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go and enjoy a good meal, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab prepared a feast, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and fell on the ground, and he prayed. And then he said to his servant, go out towards the sea. The servant went and looked, but he returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. So seven times Elijah told him to go and look. And so back and forth, he sends his servant to the sea, and he's praying for something. Now, if you look at the backstory, James talks about how Elijah prayed uh, and there was no rain for three and a half years, and then he prayed again, and then the rain came and everything started growing again. And this is where we're at in the tension of the story. So not only does he defeat the prophets of Baal, build the altar, bring this declaration of this is how we got to align our hearts and our lives before God, he comes back to a place where he says, okay, now God's going to move and he's going to bring rain and refreshing to everybody, and he sends his servant back and forth on the mountainside to go look towards the sea and say, is there anything happening? Because if there's going to be rain, there has to be clouds. And if there's no clouds in the sky, it doesn't really look like it's going to rain. And seven times he tells his servant to go do this. So he's praying, he's seeking God, and and the, the last time he comes back and he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand in the distance. And Elijah's like, okay, that's it. Get ready. There's going to be so much rain. We're not going to be able to outrun it. And then we pick this up in verse 45 and 46. It says this. It says, uh, then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And sure enough, the sky was soon black with clouds. A heavy wind broke Uh, brought a terrific rainstorm, and then Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Now the Lord gave special strength to Elijah, and he tucked his cloak into his belt, and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. And in this story, all of these incredible things happen. The prophets of Baal are overthrown. The people determine that the Lord is God. The altar is rebuilt. God sends rain on the land again, which means prosperity, and it means growth, and it brings new life for everybody, and they're in this place. And in the midst of all of these miracles, in the very next chapter, Elijah finds himself in the one, of, one of the most precarious situations that I believe we all find ourselves in from time to time, because after you see God move in a mighty way in your life, sometimes the tendency is to get into a season or a slump or a place where you feel lost or you don't know what to do or, God, what are you going to do next? And this morning, I want to pray, but I want to talk to you about what it takes to meet God in the aftermath. 
Because a lot of times we talk about the aftermath of disasters or bad things happening, but actually I believe that there is a consistency in the life of the believer that needs to come because if we don't learn to meet God and look for him in the aftermath of even the miracles and the things that he does, we begin to wonder, we get lost in our own hearts and our own emotions, and we can feel stuck. So Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I pray that as we open up your word, it would speak to our hearts, it would lead us closer to you, and it would show us some things about ourselves, but more importantly, it would show us who you are and how you want to pull us closer to you in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Amen. These moments in our lives where, excuse me, We have these meaningful meetings with God, these times with God, these moments he shows up, these instances where we bring our lives back together at the altar, we feel his presence, we ask God to move, we ask him to breathe upon the broken areas of our life, we ask him to stir a fire or start something inside of us, and we have very tangible, experiential moments in the presence of God, and I believe that's what we had a couple weeks ago. For many people, there was this moment, and there was this place where God God is moving and you could sense it and feel it and you hear his voice. And many times after these moments, not only do we hear the voice of God, but all of a sudden the threats of the enemy comes and the feelings and the emotions come and it can almost derail us. I would argue to say that some of my hardest weeks are right after some of the most incredible moves of God in his church and in my life. Because the minute God starts speaking something, the enemy will try to bring a voice or compete for our attention, our affection, our own fears, our own insecurities. Things will try to rise up, and we get in these moments where we don't know how to live outside of that presence that we felt so... uh, tangibly in, in a corporate gathering in a morning service, but we also don't realize that there are things we can do as we move forward in our walk with God to carry that presence with us, even though we have to face wilderness experiences, discouragement, the long journey that, that that's ahead. I believe that these moments teach us to take steps in, in, in what it means to meet God in the aftermath in our lives. And all too often, we kind of just, like Elijah, sit there, we lay down and We wait for God to meet us. Have you been there? Like, I I would just venture to ask, you know, and I'm not going to do a show of hands, but if you really tangibly felt the Spirit of God moving in your heart, moving your life a couple weeks ago, if I were to ask right now, how many of you had a rough week after that? A lot of people would be like, I couldn't, would say, I can't believe some of the stuff or the back emotions or things I thought I've dealt with that rose to the surface in the middle of that because they started to compete for what God was trying to do in my heart and in my life. And and, and these moments in the presence of God actually lead us to a place to remember how big he is, how he's still working, how he's moving forward. But quite often, right after, we can find ourselves in a place where we're fighting the same old battles, we're dealing with the insecurities we have, and and we, we... need to learn to meet God in those moments because if we don't, we find ourselves lost within ourselves, we isolate from other people, and it doesn't help us move forward in our walk with God. 
And what I want you to know that when the aftermath of some incredible things happen in your life, the, in the aftermath, I want you to know this, that there are voices, fears, and threats which will cause you to run when you don't have to run. There are voices, fears, and threats that will come to you in the aftermath of God doing some incredible things in your life. And what they're trying to do is put you on the run and distract you from what God wants to lead you forward in. Like we say all the time that we follow Jesus one step at a time, but often we get a little bit confused, we get a little bit emotional, we get a little bit melodramatic, worked up. I'm all of those things wrapped into one, ask my wife. And, and the tendency would be like, I gotta run to this, or I gotta fix this, or I gotta do that. And, and these voices try to stir up inside of us where God's saying, no, 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 just settle in what I've done and trust what I'm continuing to do in your midst. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we continue the story. When It says, when Ahab got home, he said to Jezebel, his wife, he told her what Elijah had done and he, how he had slaughtered the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sends this message to Elijah. May the gods also kill me by this time tomorrow if I have failed to take your life for those whom you have killed. And Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. Interesting. And he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. So now, Elijah, here's what Jezebel says. This is crazy to me in this story, okay? 450 prophets of Baal, chanting, cheering, praying for fire from Baal. All day long, Elijah's like, hey, let's see what God can do. Prays a simple prayer, invites the Lord to come close. God answers. They defeat all the prophets of Baal. So Ahab goes home, which is interesting, tells Jezebel, and Jezebel says, may the gods kill me tomorrow if I haven't taken your life. And, and, and like Elijah instantly forgets that the gods that they're praying to were the ones that couldn't answer 450 prophets on the mountaintop. But at Jezebel's word, he's afraid, he's fearful. There was something that struck fear in his heart, and it says he fled. So he leaves, and then what he does is even more interesting. He doesn't just leave where he was supposed to be. He takes his servant, leaves his servant in a city, and he goes off by himself. And often, many of us start running when God is doing something or we face our insecurities or we, we battle with fears or anxieties or things that come up against what God is trying to do in our lives and we start running and we put the people beside us somewhere else, we distance ourselves from them and we go to a place where we should be running to get alone with God. We actually just run to a place where we want to get alone and then we end up like Elijah here. It says he went alone into the desert, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. Like, that's a pretty serious swing. God, if you are Lord and, and your people need to know it, here is this altar. Would you answer with fire by heaven? Everything gets burned up, eaten up. The people cry, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. Elijah's like, see what God can do. And then, you know what? A couple of hours later, maybe the next day, he goes into the desert by himself, sits under a tree. He's sulking by himself because he can't overcome what Jezebel has said, maybe his own insecurities, things that he knows he's still working on in his life. Sits under a tree and he says, God, just kill me. I'm just done with all of this. And now if you've ever felt that way, here's the good news. You're not alone in Scripture Great men and women of God all throughout time in history have come to the Lord and said, I'm at the end of myself. I don't know what to do. 
I don't know how to do this on my own. And he says, Lord, just take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And he finds himself in the desert. And I believe that often when we experience God in a very real way, there will be voices that rise up. There will be fears. There will be things that come against what God has spoken to you. Maybe at the altar, God said, I want to fix this relationship in your life. Or I want to deal with this area of your life. And all week long, the enemy was saying, how could you ever change that? That's never going to go away. It's always going to torment you. And the fears, the anxiety, and the stuff rise up. And what you end up doing more often than not, instead of running to God to say, Lord, I need strength. I need people around me. I need to walk through this. I need to meet you in the aftermath. We run and we flee and we isolate and we end up alone and we live in this place where like, God, I can't do this on my own. I might as well just die. And can I just tell you this morning that is not the plan and the purpose of God for your life. Isolation, loneliness, and running can often be the response of many in the aftermath of what God has spoken or where he's moved and things that he's leading us in. I want us to remember today Running should not be our first response in the face of fear or insecurity when God has spoken something by his word or by the Holy Spirit. Now I want to ask today in the room, how many people in this room, I'm going to ask for a show of hands, how many of you own a pair of running shoes? Okay, now how many of you actually run? Like 15% of the people who put up their hand. It's amazing to me that they've done studies that the vast majority of North Americans who own running shoes don't actually run, use them for their intended purpose. I don't run in these shoes. They just look good. But what actually amazes me even more is the amount of believers and Christians that will say, I've experienced and I've encountered Jesus and I know what he's spoken to me and he's told me he's going to move in my family. He's told me he's going to move in this area of my life. And when they get insecure, when they get filled with fear, when attack comes from the enemy, when a voice comes that is contradictory to what God has said, the first thing we do rather than run to God is we flee and we hide and we isolate and we get melodramatic and we tell God we might as well die because you're never going to use me. And we sit there and we just don't know what to do. And I'm not trying to play... uh, uh, be facetious or, or tread lightly. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to, to, to stomp on anyone's feelings or emotions here. Please hear my heart in this. But I want us to see and I want us to realize that the ups and downs of life, the wilderness experiences, the fears that we face are very real things that we're going to have to face. And in the aftermath of God speaking and moving in your life, you're going to have to learn to meet with God and come back to a place where instead of running away and isolating, you find strength to keep going through the wilderness. And like nobody likes messages like this. What should I pray for, Pastor? Pray that you have strength to go through the battle that God wants you to face. But I just want to pray that the battle goes away. Where's the scripture where just stand still, you don't need to fight? Well, that's in the Bible too. But then there are also instances where the Lord says, go through the wilderness, go through the test. Face the thing that you need to face. And whenever we're in those moments, I would say that we got to come back to this place where we realize 
this is not something that we only face. This is not something uncommon to fellow men and women in our lives that every single one of us, when we experience the presence of God, the power of God, we are all susceptible to experiencing spiritual attack, lies, fears, and anything the enemy can do to stop us from moving forward in the purpose of God for our life. And one of the worst things you can do is get to that place of isolation where you're alone by yourself and stay there for too long of a period of time because it hurts you. It makes you not think in the way God thinks about you. And this is where Elijah is, and he's in the desert, and he prays that he might die, and he actually just goes to sleep. Well, God, I just want to die, so I'm going to lay down. I'm going to go to sleep here in the desert. Well, guess what? God wakes him up. And so the first thing I want you to know about meeting God in the aftermath is that we have to be aware that there's voices, there's fears, there's things that come against our life. But the second thing that I want you to know this morning is this, that the journey is long. Such an encouraging message this morning. What did your pastor tell you? You're going to fight battles, and there's going to be fears, and God's going to say great things to you, and then warfare and attacks can come. And then the next point he said was, the journey is long when you serve Jesus. Praise God for that. But we have to learn how to get up and eat. See, if we're going to meet God in the aftermath, <clears throat> we can meet him not only in those mountaintop experiences, those big uh, monumental experiences. We can meet him in the middle of the wilderness in the place where we don't know what to do. And, and God wakes Elijah up and he says, it's time for you to get up and eat. Now, this seems like, oh, that's just common sense. If you need strength, you need to eat food. Well, you're in the wilderness, you're in the desert. Have you ever been in a place where you're just so unmotivated and you don't want to eat? Like, I'm just going to admit to you, like for me, eating in the morning, eating breakfast, I know like most important meal of the day, I should eat breakfast, get up going. It is like, I have to force feed myself to eat before 10 a.m. I hate it. Like, I, have, I don't know why, probably because I drink 30 million cups of coffee a week, you know. Um, but, you know, in order to be healthy, to, to, to grow, to do the right things, like I lately, I, I've been saying, like, I got to get up, I got to eat something, I got to get my day going in the right mode and manner. And it's a miracle what it does for your emotions. If you have teenagers, that's the biggest fight. They just want to stay in bed. Get up and eat. Get up and get ready. Get up. We got to get out the door. I don't want to eat. I just want to lay in bed for 10 minutes. And then they don't eat breakfast and then they don't bring a lunch to school or they forget their lunch. And then they come home at three o'clock and they're in your vehicle and they're miserable. And so Brandy and I try to have snacks in the vehicle the minute we pick up the kids because it's just like the struggle is real. <laughs> and it's not actually always their fault, it's a lack of understanding that if you haven't fed yourself the right things, your emotions are not going to line up the right way. Now, isn't that something for our spiritual walk? Elijah prays for rain. He prays for God to move. He prays that God answers on the mountaintop, all those things. I wonder, I'm not speculating, Elijah in heaven, if I'm wrong on this, I'm sorry, but it's like when Jezebel started posing her threats, why did he run to the desert and say, God, I want to die, when he could have just went back to prayer and said, God, help me work through this. God, show me where I need to find my strength. Show me what I need to do. Because he's human like we are. And we all 
tend to emotionally respond to things at times. And when we realize in our faith that this Christian walk with Jesus is not a sprint, it's not a hooray we got saved in this rah-rah moment and everything's smooth sailing from here to eternity. It is actually a marathon with hills and valleys and things that we're learning to adjust and adapt to. And there are moments we need to learn to fuel our spiritual lives and our body and our emotions so they line up with what God has said about us in our lives. And I want to ask you this question this morning. What are you feeding yourself with? What are you fueling yourself with to find strength to make it through the test? In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5 to 9, it says this. It says, then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. And as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. So he looked around and he saw some bread baked on hot stones in a jar of water. And so he drank and lay down again. Like, I don't understand this. I mean, if you wake up in the middle of the desert and there's bread and water there, like, I'd question, like, where did this come from? Is it artisanal? Is it gluten-free? Can I eat it? No, Elijah just... He gets told by the angel, get up, get up and eat. And so he gets up, eats, drinks, and then goes back to sleep. And as he does that, it says, the angel of the Lord came again, touched him, says, get up and eat some more, for there is a long journey ahead of you. So he got up, he ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. What are you fueling yourself with? What are you feeding yourself? We have great moments and, and times in the presence of God, and we can pray at the altar, and you can have these incredible experiences, but if you go home Monday morning and you don't fuel yourself with anything but your own thoughts, your own emotions, the things that are attacking your life throughout the week, you will find yourself in a place of isolation by yourself saying, God, I don't know if I can do this, and, and, and thank God he comes and he brings people around us, or in Elijah's case, an angel says you need to get up and eat this is your word for you this morning you need to get up and start feeding yourself what God says in the things of God for whatever you're facing because if you don't you won't have enough strength to pass the test it says that he ate and drank and he had strength to go 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai 40 is the number of testing in the Bible God didn't say Elijah you get to skip the test I'm going to answer your request in your emotionalism to just be done. He said, no, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to sustain you. And if you will get up and if you will eat and you will drink, I will sustain you long enough to pass the test. And I think if we would come to God in the midst of our trials, our difficulties, in our rough weeks, and we say, God, I need a scripture, I need a word, I need to worship you, I need to hear your voice. Why? Because this journey is long and I need something to strengthen me to help me pass this test. God answers. In Isaiah 55, verse 1 to 2, it says this. It says, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that gives you no strength, does not give you strength, and why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. It was the sustenance of the Lord that brought Elijah to Mount Sinai, to a place where he could encounter God in another way. 
And I'm telling you that in the aftermath of incredible things that God does in your life, it will not be, I don't know, all the stuff that you're chasing to try and shake those thoughts or break those emotions or just ignore them and, and kind of be passive towards them. It's actually fueling yourself with the things of God, the word of God, the promises of God that are going to give you enough strength to make it through the test. I wish I could stand up here today and tell you that you won't have to go through the test, but that's not Bible. That's not scripture. Because we get to Matthew chapter 4 and we find Jesus going into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And the very first temptation of the enemy is look at these stones, turn them to bread because you're hungry. And, and so Jesus faced the same thing. And Jesus had to answer the enemy where he says, no, 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 the scriptures say that man shall not live by bread alone. Devil, you're not going to trick me into thinking that something on this side of eternity is going to sustain me in a spiritual battle that I need to face and a test that I need to go through. And sometimes with what you're walking through and what you're facing in your life, the emotions that you feel about that relationship, the things that you uh, are just trying to avoid in your experiences because God has said he's going to work on those things. Sometimes we try to avoid him and say, okay, God, wake me up when it's over. And he's saying, no, 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 I actually want to give you the tools, the scriptures, the sustenance you need to overcome and keep going the way that I've called you to go so you pass the test. Church, we need to know where our strength comes from. We need to feed on the word of God. And in the last two years, nothing has meant more to me than an actual hunger and depth in scripture because in the culture that we live, in the things that we're facing, in a day like Elijah's where everyone would say what you believe or what you think God can do, it's, it's not going to happen. And there's an attack on so many things that we believe in our faith. It will be the word of God that sustains you to walk through the things you have to face in your life, in your school, in your job, wherever you are. You're not going to get great ideas from somewhere else and just make it happen. It's going to be the word of God that sustains you in this season of your life. And so we need to get up and eat. And, and, and some of the difficulties we face in our Christian walk is we want to be fed every week on a Sunday, but we don't feed ourselves. I'm very happy to study the word of God and, and say, God, what do you want to bring to your people? But like Brandy told the women's group on Monday morning, she said, Jeremy preaching every week is not enough. He's not that good. <laughs> she didn't say that. I don't think. If she did, just tell me and I'll cry in silence and go ask God how to help me have strength to go through it. But we need to start feeding ourselves. And this isn't to say, oh, you got to be alone in all of it. No, the word of God is here so we don't have to walk through these tests and these difficulties alone. It's here so we can see what God says about our situation so the Holy Spirit can draw near to us and so we can come out the other side. The last thing I want you to know this morning about meeting God in the aftermath is this. Just as voices will come and they'll try to derail you, just as the journey is long and we need to get up and eat, I want you to understand that there's a voice 
to be heard in the aftermath, but we really need to be ready to hear it. We really need to be ready to listen to it. And can we have the band come back up? In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11 to 13, I'm not going to read all of these, but I'll tell you what happened. Elijah gets to Mount Sinai, and the voice of God comes to him. He says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And he gives God his woe is me speech. I've served you. I've loved you. Nobody else cares. I'm doing this all on my own. And then God says, go stand out on the mountain in front of me. He doesn't even answer all the retorts and all the things that Elijah brings. And he says, I'll meet with you. Go stand out on the edge of the mountain. I'll meet with you there. And there was a wind that came. And it shook the mountain and the rocks. And there was a, a blast like an earthquake. And there was a, a fire. And, and, and it says in all of these things, it says God wasn't in them. And after all of that stuff, there came a gentle whisper. And I want you to know that if you're always looking for God in the big sign, the earthquake, the life-shaking encounter, you might miss him sometimes. Because there are moments where he comes in the midst of our trial, in the midst of our difficulty, in the midst of that situation where it's a gentle whisper. Can we just close our eyes? I actually believe this morning there are people here I actually believe the Lord wants to say directly to you this morning, prophetically, that you actually don't need an answer to all your questions. And, and I see some people, and it's like, Elijah, you're cycling the same story over and over again. Guys, I've done this. I do this at times. And God, what about this? And God, what about that? And, and God, I feel this way, and, and I feel stuck, and I feel all these things, and I believe the voice of the Lord comes to you and he says, what are you doing here? And the tendency and the desire would be to go back into that same old story, but I think what God's really looking for is us to calm our hearts and our souls and come to a place where we say, God, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm here to listen to what you would have me do. Is that God came in a gentle whisper. And I believe there are moments in your life in the chaos and the storms, in the wind blowing, in the things swirling, in the thoughts that you have where you want to throw the same story over and over again. And I'm not saying that you don't need to work through those things and God's not going to work in those areas. He's going to do those things. But there are moments in time where he calls you back to himself where he says, would you just still your heart and hear what I'm asking you to do? Because sometimes we're so preoccupied with what we think God hasn't done or what hasn't changed or how we haven't got to where we want to be yet. And yet God says, what are you really doing here? Do you want to circle that mountain again with me over and over again? Or do you want to hear my voice and 
get back to the things that I've called you to do. It's difficult serving Jesus sometimes. It's difficult getting over our own egos, getting over ourselves, getting over the disappointments, the things we thought were going to change. It's difficult at times. But the voice of God comes. And the most amazing thing happens in the story of Elijah. He doesn't say, okay, I'll change this or I'll fix that or I'll do this or I'll do that. You know what he tells Elijah? He says, go back. Go back to the things I've asked you to do. And I think one of the most freeing things for some of us here this morning could just be you're so worried about how it's all going to work out. And God's just saying, if you would draw close to me and just get back to doing the things I've asked you to do. Deepen your roots in Jesus. Be a part of a community. Grow in the areas that he's asked you to grow in. Don't do life alone. If you would just get back to the things he's asked you to do, your purpose hasn't left because you faced a setback. Your purpose hasn't left because you felt insecure. Your purpose isn't destroyed because the enemy's put a target or a threat on it. None of that has changed because God hasn't changed. But we got to come back to the place where we're willing to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, go back to the things I've called you to do and trust that I'm with you. And in 1 Kings 19, verse 15, God says to Elijah, go back. And I love verse 19. It says, so Elijah went. And as we close this morning, I'll tell you this. We all get tired. We all get weary. We all have setbacks. We all have moments where we say, God, I'm done. I don't know what to do anymore. But in the same way, we all have a supply of strength through God's word. We have a God who longs to draw near to us. We have a God who wants to be close. We have a God who wants to come and speak. If we would just stop and listen for long enough in the middle of the situation, just hear his voice, uh, a gentle whisper that says, hey, keep going. Keep doing the things that I've asked you to do. Don't give up now. this morning as I've been thinking about these things and I've been praying about this all week the question that's kept coming to my heart and coming to my mind has been who are you walking with because the minute Elijah got so worked up at Jezebel's threats he dropped his support off in another town he took off and got alone in the desert. He goes through the test by himself. And thank God he didn't have to fully go through it by himself because God was faithful and God was there. But when God tells him to go back, he says, it's time to anoint Elisha. It's time to get some other people around you. It's time to keep going in the purpose that I have for you. And as I've been thinking and as I've been praying and, and we had a, an incredible 
moment in the presence of God a couple Sundays ago, and I've really been feeling for people because I, I feel like so many of us meet these overwhelming feelings and emotions and these low lows after such a high high in the presence of God that we feel alone and we feel isolated and the tendency is to draw away from God and chase other things and God's calling us back to himself and he's calling us close. (coughs) I was talking with Larry about a week ago and I said I really feel like God wants to do something in the sense of a healing presence. I really thought at first, I was like, okay, God, like, do you want to do physical healings and, and manifestations that way? And I, and I really felt that wasn't it. And then he brought this scripture to mind. James chapter 5, verse 16. says this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. For the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And I'm like, God, what does this have to do with Elijah and all these things? Well, if you read verse 17, 18, and 19, it says, For Elijah was human as we are. And when he prayed for there no rain, there was no rain. And when he prayed again, the rains came and everything started growing again. And I've always been leery of this scripture, if I'm being very honest. Because I had a pastor that taught me confession is good for the soul, but bad for the reputation. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. But it's also kind of right. And what James is not saying here, go air your dirty laundry and talk to everyone about everything. But what James is saying here is he's saying, we all have weaknesses. We all have shortcomings. We all can't make it on our own. And what he's saying in the body is, when you confess your sins, the missing of the mark, where you fall short, where your emotions lead you astray, where you can't do it on your own, you need to have someone you trust you can pull beside you that will pray for you and with you that you may be healed. And I'm like, why is there healing and doing life with someone else? Well, I thought of this then because Jesus said, we're two more gathered in my name there I am in their midst come on church if we want to experience a healing presence of Jesus in our lives we got to be willing to admit that we have failures we have emotions we have shortcomings and we don't air it to everyone and anyone but if you think you can go through life alone in a wilderness depending on God to show up every time you haven't fed yourself or you get all worked up or in this deep hole the Bible teaches us that we need to learn to come and find people that we can rub shoulders with and we can say hey I really struggle in this area I don't know if I'm enough I don't know if I can make it would you pray for me so I don't give up so I don't quit so I keep going who are the people in your life that you do that with and when we open up the altars on a Sunday I think people who have been around church for a long time they think Oh, I'm so glad that's there for people who so desperately need Jesus, but I figured it out. I can do it on my own. No, it's here each and every week. Why? Because you might have had a bad week. You might be struggling with something that you've been keeping under the radar, and you know if you don't tell someone, it's going to break you. You know that if you don't have someone else that will call you later in the week and say, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? What are your emotions doing? What has God said to you? I got a scripture for you. We have to learn that we need each other. 
you don't need to tell everyone, but I'm just going to say, in some of your battles, you need to tell someone. Because we beg God for healing. We ask him why we haven't been healed in an area, and we've never, ever invited the presence of Jesus and someone else to walk beside us until we see God do a completed and finished work. Church, I want you to know that you can meet God in the aftermath of these high moments that you're human when you feel like you failed or you just want to give up, but God wants to sustain you. He wants to feed you, and you need to learn to grow in your relationship with God, to take in the Word of God. You need to find strength for the journey that you're on. You need to come back to the place where you say, God, I'm not here to complain and lay all this out. He is a big God. He can handle what you want to throw at Him, but there comes a moment in our prayers in our lament and all the things that we throw at God where we just got to say, okay, God, I'm done. And I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to listen because I so desperately need to hear your voice. And he'll speak. And he's gentle. And he leads you back to the things that you need to do. And sometimes he leads you to people you need to walk with. Sometimes he leads you to go back to something you know you should have been doing all along. And, and God doesn't beat you over the head with a stick. He says, if you would just start doing these things again, it's going to help you. So my question for you this morning is, we all have shortcomings. We all have weakness. We all have weariness. We all have failures. But do you want to live healed? Because I'm believing God for a healing presence of Jesus that comes. When we find people around us that don't just say, oh, that's too bad, but they genuinely pray. They actually text you and say, hey, I was thinking about you. How are you doing? Because that's the church. We need some friends. We need some people around us. We got leaders and people who are willing to pray and, and walk beside you. And, and I just want to encourage you this morning, don't do it alone. So why don't we stand this morning? Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you. 